Hello friends and welcome to Farfetched Stories. My name is Ariam Verberg and I'm your host on here. Today is the final episode of The Raven's Toll. Throughout 14 episodes we've seen him evolve, make the wrong choices, screw up and get back on his feet. Today he has to deal with the fallout after his destructive actions and make a profound but difficult choice. As always, I'd like to thank my text editor Louisa Mitchell, Diana Moore for narrating this episode, and Alex Liu for providing the music. I'd also like to thank everyone who's encouraged me along the way. Thank you so much, this has been a blast. This podcast is really small, but it's a playground for me where I get to explore my voice and share my creativity with you, and that is invaluable to me, so thank you everyone for listening. I'd also like to remind you of the poll and giveaway contest that is still up on my Instagram. That's at r.e.m.verberg. Just go to the post that says poll, all the rules are in there. And you stand to win a custom-made illustration by me of anything you like. So I hope to see you on there. Uh, You can also go to remverberg.com if you want to know more about me or my work. After this, I'm going to take a well-deserved month-long break. But the 1st of September, I'll be back with a standalone fantasy original story. A story that you guys helped me pick. So that is really exciting and I can't wait to work on that. For now, thanks again for listening. I really hope you enjoy this episode. And see you after my small vacation in about a month. Bye! The Raven's Toll, Episode 14, The Weight of Living On An otherworldly silence descended on the clearing. Zori waited patiently, their question echoing through the raven's mind. What were you chasing after? He cleared his throat. There was a distance between them now, one he knew he could never close again, but at least he could be honest. I truly was looking for the Remian leadership, he said, but not for the reasons you might think. Kouras and I had decided that we would try to negotiate peace with them. Zori mulled over that. He was going to commit treason, they said softly. Yes. They looked at Kouras, lying almost peacefully in his green circle. I would not have believed him capable of it, they said. He would have never been able to return to his old life. The raven nodded. He was prepared to forfeit his life in order to do what was right, he said. It was his idea. I was just stupid enough to think my powers could help him. Zuri shivered slightly. You are Vanta, they repeated softly. When they looked up, the mixture of grief and anger that emanated from them nearly broke his heart. I gave you my trust, you know, they said quietly. I know. There was nothing more he could say. Why? they asked, after a long silence. I thought your kind had exiled themselves. Only a few remain, he said, but those few stayed behind to help. Please, I swear, don't let my actions deflect from their good intentions. You think I buy that? 
they said, sudden anger erupting. Listen to what you're saying. The Vanta destroyed your people, but they're actually good, except the one you met who nearly incinerated all of your friends. He hung his head. I don't ask to be forgiven. I surely wouldn't forgive myself. I wouldn't have even come back here. They snorted in self-deprecation. Guess I'm stupid. No, Zori, he said, looking up. You're loyal. You're kind. I'm the one who was stupid. The Vanta who remained. We, they, consider themselves helpers. They remained here to right the wrongs they caused during the Vanta Wars. I'm just... I just failed. They took in his words, a distrusting look on their face. But why did you fail? They asked. What went wrong? You started the fire, but then you saved us. I don't understand. I... He struggled to come up with an answer that made sense, even to himself. I got too involved, he said finally. I saw the answer so clearly. Koros could share his information with the Remians, so that the Covenant's dominion of Thunya could be halted. You, the Utils, the Contellians, might be free. He took a deep breath. But I made a crucial mistake. I bent the rules to my will. I knew what I wanted to happen so I used the skill to make sure it happened. He shivered. And in doing so, I let myself be overtaken by it. Zori took a step back. He thought they were leaving, but at the last moment they turned around. You got caught up, they said in a low voice. And for you, that means destroying things. He nodded and looked down at his boots, which were covered in a layer of ash. Lass and you had lofty goals. They still talked in that low voice, as if searching for a path in the dark. But you used bad magic to try and reach them. Yes. I swore an oath not to, he forced himself to say. After I agreed to stay in Thunya, I swore never to use the skill again. Our goal was only to guide and advise the humans in the restoration of Thunya's balance. We swore that oath to prevent, to prevent exactly what happened here. They nodded, reaching a conclusion. They screwed their eyes up for a moment, a private expression of pain crossing their face. Finally, they spoke. No matter how you did it, or what it cost, they said. I am free now. So is my squad. I don't intend to waste that freedom. They set their jaw. Point me in the direction of the Remians. He blinked. What? The Remian leadership, they said. I know enough to be of use to them. You want to carry on with the mission? Hope sprung up in his heart. Are you sure? I, I don't know how dangerous it will be or how the Remians will treat you. They flinched slightly. If you say it could make a difference, I have to try. He let out a long breath. Further colonization by the Covenant would mean more utils, more Magoi addictions, more destructions. Anything to counteract that would help. Then it's settled, they said. I'll go. Their black eyes shone with determination. He wanted to say how proud he was of them, but knew not to. Instead, he said, They're southwest from here. 
about a three-day march for you. If you follow the river south, you should come across their tracks. Zori nodded. Thank you. They hesitated. What will you do now? The raven swallowed hard. I will bury Kuros, he said. And then I will remove my string from the instrument, as we Vanta say. Remove my existence, he said, harsher than he had meant. Zori looked away. You think that is best for Sonia? He faltered slightly. I, I think it's what I should do. I broke my oath. And that means you can never do any good ever again? Again, their words gave him pause. I don't know, he said slowly. They were silent for a long time, just looking at him. Finally, they shrugged and nodded. I have to go, they said. They turned on their heels, straightening their back. Good luck, he said quietly. Thank you. They turned back to him one more time. I hope you'll find your way, T.A. As soon as they were gone, the clearing returned to preternatural stillness. It was as if they'd taken all the life with them. The raven stood still, his fingertips tingling with their presence, his heart feeling like it would burst. Finally, he knelt down beside Kuros and started preparing a grave. Evening found him by the river, at the place where the fire had been doused. He sat on a big boulder, exactly between life and death, destruction on one bank, and quietly breathing trees on the other. Thoughtlessly, he flicked a rock into the stream beneath him. Hunger gnawed at his stomach, but he didn't feel like doing anything about it. Like the boulder, he was stuck between life and death, unsure of which direction to move in. He first knew her by the gentling of the water. A whisper of sorts preceded her, stroking the leaves and calming the stream. Even though it was dark, he could see her as clearly as if it was midday. You failed, the sparrow said. This time, he did not run from her words, nor did he stand up to her. I know, he said. I am prepared to accept the consequences. She surprised him by sitting down on a boulder next to him, neatly tucking her robes beneath her. A sheath of jaw-length white hair hid her face. And what are the consequences? she asked. He shrugged roughly. I deserve to die. I can no longer be a keeper of the balance. No, she agreed. That you cannot. She turned and looked at him, her eyes heavy with meaning. According to the Keeper's Code, she now had a difficult but inevitable task, stripping him of his magic. He could see she was struggling with it, and caught her eye, nodding wordlessly. He was ready. Slowly, he started to feel a change in his body. The skill was leaving him. Everything else remained, though slightly dulled. His depth perception of the world the hidden currents that played around him, teasing music from the strings. It was just his awareness of himself, his own strength, that was changing. It felt odd to suddenly have a body so small and one-dimensional, so simple, like an animal's body. Strangely, it was a relief. 
He sunk down into the feeling, like someone sitting in an unfamiliar chair. I want to apologize, he said. I made you my enemy, when you were always my friend. And why did you do that? she asked. The question surprised him, pulling him from the new sensations. To help Kuras Laos, he said. I knew it was wrong, and like I said, I am prepared to die for it. The sparrow chuckled. And you expect me to become a murderer, too? He looked at her, stunned. It's what's right, he said. I deserve it. What other path is there? She cocked her head. Turan, she said. You've always been a hothead. You've always cared too much. After Thetis made the wrong choice, you felt you could no longer be a keeper of the balance without ensuring that the right things happened. I understand that now, he said. That's why I was a bad keeper. Yes, the sparrow smiled. But it doesn't make you a bad person. Just someone who could not bear to stand by while other people make their own choices. Someone who meddled. And I should die for that, he clenched his hands. It's the way. Maybe, she said. Or maybe you learned your lesson. Maybe there is another way. He felt like he was falling into a void. Everything was shifting. What do you mean? Sometimes, the sparrow said, it's harder to learn how to live than it is to die. It's harder to just be a friend to someone than it is to influence them. He looked at her, utterly perplexed. Whose friend would I be? She smiled again. What about the young Contellian? They could use a friend. They will never forgive me, he said, not believing what she was saying. It's your choice, the sparrow said, but it's a choice I'm willing to offer you. Think about it. The two of them were quiet then, letting themselves be carried along by the sway of Magoya Forest, until the raven's skill was fully gone and dawn crept up on them. How can you give me this choice? he asked. He felt empty. Every rule says I must die. The rules, the sparrow said, were made to prevent our kind from doing harm. You freely offered up your skill to me. You were trying to protect the people that you love. She looked at him, her expression earnest. I do not believe you will do more harm. She raised her slender shoulders, her ageless eyes staring ahead. But I leave the choice to you. Like I said, living on is not necessarily the easy option, and trying to do good does not always mean you'll succeed. The unreal feeling remained. His body felt small and weak without the skill, and the world was suddenly vast around him, filled with new, unexpected melodies. Zori will never forgive me he said. Maybe not, the sparrow said, a tone of amusement in her voice. All you can do is try. He got up slowly, feeling a million years old. His body ached, his stomach screamed, and the grief for Kuros laid heavily on his heart. But his eyes looked to the southeast and did not waver. The sparrow smiled broadly in the light of the dawn. So you've made your choice, she said. I don't know if I can do it, the raven said, but I'll try. <laughs>